The future is a million little choices. A little extra work or a little extra play. Reconcile or let the sun go down on your anger. If we could get a picture of the future, if we could jump ahead 10, 15, 20 years, and see the accumulation of our decisions, the chain of events we set in motion, how differently would we live today? How would we choose to spend our time? What would we walk away from? How would we treat the people around us? Your future is a million little choices. And it starts today. Good morning, Salem Fields. All right. I tell you, didn't our worship team do a wonderful job? I tell you, amen. How many of y'all like Gay over here on the bass, boy? She just had that rock going, right? <laughs> yeah, and Rich, um, by the way, you rap better than I do, contrary to proper belief, okay? <laughs> that was tough, a tough song to roll with, I tell you, I appreciate it. But I tell you, praise God, it's great to be here today and um, to share with you something that God has laid on my heart. Um, I First of all, I want to thank Buddy and Gay for the opportunity to just serve um, here at this church and this community and, you know, as we think about the topic of uncertain, I mean, there's a lot of things that we have reason to be paused, to pause, I guess, about and to be uncertain about. I mean, our future and, and sometimes our youth and how many of you have children like me and I'm just very uncertain about the future world that they will have to compete in and live in. But, you know, the great news of the gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return soon. The great news of the gospel is that there is a better way, there is something even greater than what this world could ever offer my kids. And it's in that that I find hope and I find comfort. And um, I tell you, um, when we talked about, when Buddy asked me to look at this title and the topic of uncertain, and originally it was supposed to have been a part of our youth weekend, you know, I began to think and I said, man, I'm uncertain about uncertain. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure what I need to speak on. But God, I ask you to really, you know, speak through me. And as I begin to really evaluate and think about what is something that we really all need to pay attention to, that we're uncertain about but need to be certain about. And I came to the value of your soul. Now, I'm sure there's any Denver Bronco fans here in the house today. I'm sure y'all are uncertain if this is going to be another Super Bowl of 43 to 8, right? <laughs> oh, 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 you forgot about that, right? We got one right here on the front row, everybody. <laughs> so I tell you, it's, it's, it's awesome, though, when we begin to think about the overall view of the life we live. And today, um, the text, I would like to um, speak to you from a text, and it, it is found in Mark um, chapter 8, and verses 35 to 37, and, and um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing and moving forward through the verses, um, but Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 37 says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. 
For what does a man profit to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So here in the Bible, obviously, just prior to um, Jesus Christ, he had spoken to his disciples, and he said, who do people say that I am? And some people said, oh, you know, you're a prophet or a teacher. And how many of us hear those same answers and responses in the world we live in today? You know, the Muslims will say, hey, you know, he was a good prophet or he was a good teacher. But I will tell you that Jesus was a whole lot more than that. Jesus was God. And I love Simon Peter's response when he says that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I wonder how many of you recognize Jesus Christ as the Christ, the Savior, the one that's come to redeem all of this world. Well, here Jesus Christ is speaking and he's asking the disciples and he's talking to them, making it very clear the cost of discipleship and the cost to serve him, the cost to follow him. And the cost of it is that we must begin to evaluate and contemplate something very valuable that God himself has given to us. Matter of fact, when we talk about the value of your soul, I want you to understand that your soul is of infinite worth. Your soul is of infinite value. It is endless, dateless, measureless, your soul. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 says that God himself, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. And the Bible says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But then there's an interesting part here. It says, and man became a living, what? Soul. Do you realize that your soul has the DNA of God? Do you realize that your soul is the very breath of God? I love the psalm that says, it is your breath in my lungs. We begin to think about that, and we begin to recognize that this soul is what God is focused on. And I want you to think about the fact that your soul is the immortal essence of you. For many of us, we may think that we are just a body that happens to have a soul. But I want to tell you today that you are not a body that just happens to have a soul. You're a soul with a body. You don't believe me, Corinthians 5, um, if we could pull up Corinthians 5, um, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, it says, for we know, this was Paul speaking to the Corinthians, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal, eternal in the heavens. You see, your soul is your most valuable possession. 
For many of you, you're still uncertain whether life and all the busy schedules you run, the sports activities and, and, and the job and working 30 years and, and just trying to earn a living and pay off a house and pay off a mortgage and, and be the one that actually achieves success in his life. Hmm. What's your most valuable possession? It's your soul. I share a story with you of a young man who he has found the significant love of his life. And as he walked, he, he thought about, you know, this girl, every time she walks by me, I mean, I get the butterflies and the jitters inside. How many of you men still get that for your wife? Valentine's Day is coming. Raise your hands, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. You know, but think about it. Some of you are going to be on the couch. Y'all didn't raise your hand, guys. Let's try that again. I don't want to cause problems in marriages. Not around Valentine's Day. Here we go. How many of you men get the jitters inside for your wife? Yes. Stand up and shout it. Amen. I love my wife. Yes. Gosh, man. Oh, man. Oh, look, anyone that need counseling, gay office doors are open afterwards. I am so sorry to cause trouble, Okay. But, but, but think of this guy, he, he just got so excited when this, when, when this significant young lady came in his presence and they've been talking for, for several months and years and he, he figured out, you know what, I, I, I think I'm going to pop the real deal question here. And so he began to save up some money. He had about $5,000 in his savings. He walked into the jeweler store, into the store, the jewelry store, and he walked in and he told the jeweler, listen, I want the absolute best ring you have. He slapped the check on the table and said, here's a check for five grand. Show me your best. And the jeweler said, well, son, um, the best would be this three-carat one I got over here, but um, it's $15,000. He says, $15,000? $15,000. He says, um, I'll be back in a... In a few months, and, and so he left, and he went, and he worked overtime and undertime and extra time. He sold stuff. He, he did everything, and he stacked up his cash, and next thing you know, he had $16,000. The day came, and so he walked up into that jewelry store, said, hey, Mr. Jeweler, come here, slapped that check on the table and said, hey, I have $16,000. I'll take that ring now. And the jeweler dropped his head and said, um, son, I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I did not know you were coming back. You told me a couple of months, but it, it's been a while, and I, I didn't know. Or I would have gotten your number and called you, but that was a limited time offer. The real price is $33,000. The guy was mortified. What in the world am I to do? I've been busting my chops here trying to really make this thing work. And the jeweler says, son, listen, you can take any of these other rings. They're, they're, they're just as nice. I mean, I'm sure the girl that you're dating will understand. I mean, she, she, she's definitely a lucky girl to have a guy like you to do these things for her. He says, no, I'm not going to stop. I want her to have the absolute best. I will not settle for less than the best. I'll be back in a while. So he leaves. 
He goes and he sells his motorcycle. He works overtime and undertime and extra time. He does everything that he can possibly do to save up money. He even borrows a little from family members. And he's just really family that day came $35,000. This time, he gritted his teeth walking into that store. Jeweler, that price better not change because, boom, here's the check. $35,000, sir, I'll take that ring now. And the jeweler goes, sir, you're right. And you know what? Even if the price had changed, after all you've been through, I would have gave it to you. And so he goes and he cleans off. He polishes this ring. He puts on special gloves and everything. And he pulls out this nice velvet box. And this beautifully velvet box inside has satin lining. And he takes the ring and he places it in and it's glistening and shining. He closes the box up. He puts it in another box and hands it over to the gentleman and say, man, this one lucky girl, be very careful with that ring. It's valuable. Well, he's so excited. He walks out and he, he calls the restaurant and said, please hold the reservation. It's going down tonight. He calls his significant girlfriend and say, honey, we're stepping out tonight, and it's very, very special. Meet me there at 7. He gets his tuxedo and his special clothes on, and he shows up to the restaurant, and the appetizer comes through, and now they're moving to the entree. Right around the end of the entree, he decides it is time. He drops to his knees, and he places this beautiful box and ring on the table in front of his significant other, and he says, honey... Will you marry me? Who thinks they know how this story ends? There's a twist. So she begins to cry and tears are flowing down her face and she's like, oh my goodness, this is really happening. She grabs the box, she picks it up, she opens it up, all the, this velvet beautiful box, all the satin and the designer name, and she takes the ring and throws it behind her and goes, this is the most beautiful box in the whole wide world. She kisses it, she clothes it, she pets it, she rubs it, she hugs it. The young man is going, how many of you right now think that there's something wrong with this girl, <laughs> right? Lights on and probably no one's home. How many of you think something's wrong with the guy for even dating a girl with lights on and nobody at home that was ring like that? I want you to pay attention and hear the next words that I'm going to say. For many of you, you're patting the box. Your box and they all come in different shapes and sizes, don't they? Some with handles, <laughs> some big, some small. But the real value is not the box, it's not the outside. The real value is the soul. The real value is what's on the inside. Why do we invest and overinvest all of our life into looking good and taking care? And I think we should live healthy. But why at the expense 
of your soul. The song said, I don't want to gain the whole world only to lose my soul. And I want you to understand here that most of us are just like this young girl. We don't know our value. We don't know our eternal value. We don't know how much we're worth. We're living lives that are limited to paying off a mortgage or graduating from college or earning extra money because we don't know our value. I wanted to define for you and answer this question of what makes something valuable. And I came up with about five things that make something valuable. And you're going to see that you have all five of these qualities. Matter of fact, the first thing that makes something valuable is often the designer or the label. How many of you have ever seen a piece of art called Mona Lisa? Whether you've been there in person or not, how many of you have seen it online or seen it in a museum? How many of you know that it is valuable? Now, how many of you know that it is a lady sitting on a stool, possibly? I could have painted that. <laughs> Why didn't I think about it? Or how about one of those Picasso, Picasso ones, you know, where you just kind of take the paint and throw it up there? Okay, all art people, please do not pull me aside afterwards and go, you don't know the value. I'm going to say, I know this value. Okay, but really, truly, how many of you have looked at these things and how many of you have found yourself in places in your life where people didn't know the value of something that they had? The designer made it valuable. I'm told of a story of um, one of the Christian artists, Lecrae, who went out into a Beverly Hills store looking for a, a beefy, Hanes beefy t-shirt, he said. And he went into this Beverly Hills store, and, and he found, they, they finally led him to where the t-shirts were, and he pulls up, and one of the labels were like $655 for a t-shirt. He says, there's got to be a mistake. It's got to be a mistake. He looks, and all of them have big stickers on them. So he takes them in and he, he, he goes over to the um, register and says, there's got to be a mistake. You know, I normally get these three for 12 at Walmart. <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> the clerk laughed and said, it's the designer. And I wonder how many of you really understand your value and your worth because you have an intelligent designer. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that we were made in the image of God. Why are we living our lives? As if we don't know who made us. Designer or label will make you valuable. Let me tell you what else. Um, number two is what we call the upside potential or your potentiality. Do you understand that through God, all things are possible in your life? There is nothing, no mountain that we is too high for us to climb. There is nothing that we can't do because with God, 
all things are possible. Do you really know your potential? Do you really know? I, I remember um, many years ago down in Richmond, I used to do real estate house flipping. And one of these houses on Murray Street, I mean, the house had like a lean. When I bought it, it was leaning. And when I walked in to see it, I had to walk in leaning. And it was, it was for sale for $27,000. But it had a mean lean. And I can imagine how many people with their realtors walked by that house and was like, no, I will never, ever live there. And I and a partner, we, we put together the money and we, we bought this house and we put about $30,000 into this house to fix it up and sold it for like $109,000. We were ecstatic. How do you knew that we saw value that other people never saw? How many of you are living your life in a way and you don't see your value, your potential, the possibilities that can flow through you if you would just allow your designer to have full and free course in your life. Um, the next one is durability. Durability. Will it last? How long will something last? That determines the value. I've told you that you're, you are your soul, your soul is the immortal essence of you. You know, for many of us, we believe, and I've stated this before, that we're just simply a body that happens to have a soul. I want you to understand, you're a soul that has a body. So you're going to last. And remember that only what you do for Christ will last. Let's look at the next, the uniqueness or the rarity. As you all know, if something can't be duplicated or easily replicated, and I want you to understand that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Your DNA is so complex. Only an intelligent designer could establish you. The last one is desirability. Desirability. You can be all of the first four, but if no one wants you, it was great. But I want you to know, there is someone that wants you. I tell the youth of America, the youth of this church, the youth of this community, stop cutting and stop hurting yourself. Because there is someone that loves you. There is someone that cares. There is someone that wants you and desires to enter into a covenant relationship with you. How many of you out here today, you don't think your life matters because you don't understand the value of your soul? Many of you are living your life and those around you, there are many people that are losing their soul I have flashbacks in my own life of people that I've done business with. And you know what? I made the business more important than understanding that they needed Jesus. I've watched them at the end of a bottle just falling and staggering and living a life that I knew was shameless and that they were losing themselves. 
Christians, do you understand the value of a soul? Well, these are things that make us valuable, the designer, the upside potential, potentiality, the durability, uniqueness, and desirability. But I want you to, as I close today, I want you to focus on one very important question. Look at verse 37. Jesus Christ asked this question. What can a man give in return for his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? Here's what the question is asking. The question is saying, what would you be willing, how much would you trade your soul for? Billion dollars? Two billion? Three billion? Fame? Popularity? American Idol? How many of you remember Jesus Christ when he went up to the mount and, and he was, um, first he was um, actually fasting for 40 days and, and Satan came to him, right? And Satan took him up to the mount and Satan said, I'll give you this whole world if you bow down and worship me. You want to know what's crazy about that? Number one, Satan knew that Jesus was who? God. Number two, he knew that Jesus already owned everything. It was a hustle. How many of you are allowing the enemy to hustle you, to give you something that God has already given you? And I'll tell you, so many times we find ourselves making this bad bargain, this bad deal. We're willing to forfeit our soul in exchange for control or dominance or power or wealth or fame. Well, Jesus Christ says that this is a foolish transaction. Jesus Christ says it's a foolish transaction for the following reasons. Number one, because you can't hold on to the world. You couldn't hold it all in your hands if someone tried to give it to you. It's not possible. Number two, it will never last. Have you seen people rise to the top and their fall? It's just as fast. Well, it's the top that we call the top. But many of us, many of us are trying to grab hold of a world that we can never hold on to. We're trying our very best to make it last as long as it possibly can. And are you willing to exchange your soul for this? And the third thing that Jesus is saying, the reason it's a foolish transaction because it will never, ever truly satisfy. We can never be satisfied through the temporal things in this world. Because inside of you, there is a God-sized hole that only can be filled by God. And that's inside of your soul. It yearns and it desires and it longs for a relationship with this creator, with this designer. I'd like you to stand to your feet, please. There's this old song that says, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ is what's going to last. Is it worth it? Have you lost yourself? 
Are you finding yourself to those of you who have not been awakened to who God is in your life and, and, and the value of God and, and the meaning of your soul? I beg you and I implore that you will just consider that your soul is your most valuable possession. To those who claim the name of Jesus, who are called Christians, are you holding fast to your faith? Or have you fallen into the sin of disbelief and you're living in, in, in just sin and immorality or other things in your life because you know what? Nothing matters anymore because you've stopped believing in the value of your soul. Do you know that God himself loves you so much? There is nothing greater than for you to understand the value of your soul and surrender that soul in total obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please, with me for just a minute. We ask you to bow your head out of privacy because there's no one else that's looking or paying attention. Right now, I'm asking you to listen to what God is saying. Listen to what he's talking to you and saying. Are you a person here today they say, Trent, I am not so sure that I haven't lost myself. I'm not so sure that I have really placed the right value on my soul and on my life. Trenton, I am willing. I, I really need prayer. Would you pray for me, Trenton, that I, I won't lose my soul. I won't ch exchange my soul for the things of this world. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God is speaking. There's many hands going up. Anyone else, anyone else, that you won't lose it. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Thank you. To the Christian, you know you're saved. You know that you've given your life to Christ. You understand it. You are going through struggles, but you know that Jesus is your Savior but you've lost your passion and your fire for the souls in this world around you. You haven't told anyone about Jesus Christ and his love in months, maybe years. You're walking by your coworkers and neighbors and you're watching them and they all are in jeopardy of going to a Christless grave and a godless hell. Do you understand the value of their soul? And are you willing to surrender? I'm going to pray for you as Buddy makes his way to the stage. I'm going to pray for those. But are there Christians here that say, Trent, would you pray for me that I'll get that fire back? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Hands up. Thank you. Excellent. You can put your hands down. Father, we, we thank you. We love you. We praise you for who you are, what you are, for what you've made us to be. For, Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in your image without apology. God, we stand as a child of the King. 
And Father, I pray for those here under the sound of my voice that are struggling inside. God, Lord, may you please come to them. Reveal yourself to them. Give them freedom. Help them understand what it means to enter into a relationship with you. And Father, I pray for the Christians that are here that say, I've lost my fire. I've gotten sidetracked and busy patting the box, kissing the box, and focused on all of the external and the temporal things in this world. But God, we ask for you to forgive us, me included, that Lord, we will walk and we will share. We will enter into relationships with others around us that they can see the love of God residing inside of us. Lord, may we hold fast to our faith and never lose the fire. In the name of Jesus.